I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's a dream growing up to get your own baggy green and, and wear it in a test match. Yeah, we're really going to celebrate this one. It's fantastic to bring the Ashes home. That was just an incredible experience. To win the Ashes back is awesome. It's a, it's a dream if in a test match, but then to also get a hat-trick. Put that hat on. I think I'm not overly materialistic, but as a possession, certainly the baggy green is, is my absolute favourite. If you're given the opportunity to wear a baggy green, it's a really special occasion. A lot of great memories we'll take from this. Yeah, onwards here for, for the Southern Stars. Hello and welcome to Baggy Green Queens, a series by The Scoop podcast celebrating the stories and people behind some of the most iconic moments in women's Ashes history. This episode is brought to you by Combank, proud supporters of female game changers. Combank has partnered with women's cricket for 22 years and is committed to creating more opportunities for girls of all ages to play, compete and learn through cricket. I'm Laura Jolly. And I'm Emily Collin. Ahead of the 2022 Women's Ashes series, we're taking a dip into the archives to explore the rich history of the rivalry between Australia and England and revisit some of the most magical moments in the 90-year history of the women's Ashes. Now, to score an Ashes century is certainly an impressive feat. To score an Ashes century while breastfeeding at lunch and tea breaks with a nine-month-old baby in tow is nothing short of incredible. But that's exactly what Sarah Elliott did in the 2013 Ashes Test at Wormsley. Sarah joined us in the studio a few months ago for a wonderful chat about her determination to return to elite-level cricket soon after giving birth to her son, Sam, as well as how special it was to see her son on the sidelines as she raised her bat for her first Ashes ton on the other side of the world. Sarah also talks about the work she did alongside the ACA and Cricket Australia to help develop the game-changing parental leave policy that now supports professional cricketers through pregnancy and adoption. But before we get to Sarah... LJ, what was the state of play in the 2013 Ashes? Well, 2013 was actually the first time the Ashes were decided on a multi-format points-based system. So one test, three T20s and three ODIs, with six points for a test victory and two points each for a win in a limited overs game. England actually ended up regaining the Ashes after winning the series 12 points to Australia's four back in 2013. The first fixture was the test and Sarah Elliott had been selected as a specialist test player. Alongside her in the 11 were debutantes Meg Lanning, Megan Shute, Erin Osborne and Holly Furling. How good is that? And opening the batting were Meg Lanning and Rachel Haynes, who are of course our current captain and vice-captain of the Aussie team. Haynes departed early, bringing Australia's number three Sarah Elliott to the crease alongside the young talent that was Meg Lanning. The two Victorians batted very well together for a 70-run stand before Meg, the debutante, was run out on 48. Replacing Meg in the middle was another Victorian, Jess Duffin, who has of course followed in Sarah Elliott's footsteps by returning to elite cricket following the birth of her daughter Georgie. Sarah continued to punish the England attack and by stumps on day one, she'd reached 95. So it was back to the hotel room with her son Sam before she headed back out on day two, needing five runs for a century. What a time. Sarah, of course, got the job done in the morning 
and though Australia were not able to clinch the win with the test finishing in a draw, her incredible efforts remain a testament to her determination to perform for her country and they have served as inspiration for mothers wishing to play elite sport in all the years since. Sarah is a total game changer and an absolute baggy green queen, so we hope you enjoy the chat. Sarah, it's an absolute pleasure to have you in the studio with us today as part of our Baggy Green Queen series. But before we get stuck into some Ashes chat, we're keen to know how cricket came into your life and how you made your way into the national side. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I played any and every sport growing up. I didn't play any junior cricket, um, preferred sort of tennis and netball and mm. whatnot. But at, at high school, a PE teacher encouraged me to get involved. So I did just playing for the school and then encouraged to go to different tryouts. From there, I played junior state cricket and then found a club at Dandenong, which has been my club ever since. And then um, was fortunate enough at that club with some greats. Um, Mel Jones was there, mm. Fitzpatrick, um, Linda Clark came. So that was a pretty good place to be in terms of learning a trade and stuff. So that's how I got involved. Yeah, you there back in the old Buckley Ridges days? Buckley Ridges, absolutely, yep. Been through a few ground changes and a few name changes as well. Um, yeah, really, really fortunate to go there. We had a decision to make early on about which club to go to. I'm really glad we chose Dandenong because that just the history of creating some really trippy players. And Sarah, we're obviously here to talk about a very famous Ashes century, but before we get stuck in, uh, let's just talk about a bit about your decorated career. So you debuted for Australia in 2005, so it was sort of around the time where women's cricket was getting a bit more attention, a bit more funding. Was it a good time to be involved in the sport and did you always love playing cricket at the elite level? Yeah, absolutely. That was a bit of a dream come true to tour on Belinda Clark's last tour, Lisa Kitely's last tour, the 2005 um, England tour. Um, Yeah, so absolutely really, really grateful for the opportunities I had and and that time when it really was changing and then from there to see where it is, you know, Mm. when I finished my career 16-odd years later, Yeah. yeah, lots of changes. Yeah, what was probably the biggest thing that happened across those 15 years from when you debuted for Vic Spirit to when you finished up in the WBBL? There are so many, so many changes. Hard to pinpoint. I do remember <laughs> having a team photo before we left that first series and we all, we deliberately took this photo because our shirts were down to our knees. They were oh. all sizes. They were massive. <laughs> and I remember probably Belinda led it to take this photo and compared to 16 years later where, you know, we've got our own branded stuff um, you know, and all sorts of stuff being paid for. I think I was fortunate. Um, our tours and everything were paid for then, whereas yep. a couple of years previous they wouldn't have been. But then where it's where it is now with paid contracts and, and uniforms that fit is pretty impressive mm. change in such a short period of time. Yeah, for sure. It would have been cool to see the, the WBBL come about, come about and be part of that. Absolutely. That was so my second son was born just prior to that starting and that was the motivation yep. to keep playing was to be part of this exciting yeah. WBBL and I'm glad I did that. Nice. And to come in and captain in the first season. So pretty impressive. That was an interesting time. I don't remember too much of it. The poor coach, uh, the poor team. Um, it was really good fun. Like what a great opportunity. I really enjoyed my time at the Renegades. Yeah. And then at the Strikers as well. Yeah, nice. And so when you found out you were pregnant with your first son, would that have been 2012, 2013? Yeah, 2012, Sam was born. So I remember I found out I was pregnant just before the contracts got announced. Yeah. Um, I was really fortunate. Julie Savage was the selector at the time and I'd played club cricket with her at Buckley and I'd watched her carry around her two daughters, Kate ah, okay. and Sarah, in her little baby carrier. And yeah. so I knew that it was possible to keep playing and I knew that she was going to be an advocate. But I remember ringing her and saying, I think I'm going to have to withdraw getting my contract and whatnot. She was really good. She said, oh, we'll wait a couple of weeks till you pass 12 weeks pregnant and then we'll announce it and then you can withdraw from the squad. I think I rang her back a week later and said, do I really need to withdraw? Can I, you know, if I still got ambitions to play, will you keep me on the list? And she went away and made some phone calls and 
um, yeah, thankfully they kept me on a, on a contract um, throughout that pregnancy. There you go. <laughs> it's pretty cool, hey? Yeah, I'm very fortunate yeah. to have people, you know, that surrounded me that were really supportive. Yeah. So you're always adamant you come back to playing after that? Yeah, I think so. I think I felt like I was a little bit undone. I'd been quite unwell the year before with some mm. blood clots and hadn't been playing and um, so I felt like my career kind of ended before and there was still some unfinished business. We'd had that the good Ashes series, which I think we spoke with Renee mm. Farrell about, um, her hat-trick in that where we'd won and I knew that they were going to pick teams um, separate for one day and test cricket. I mm. knew there was some potential there maybe to get back to playing for Australia, but even even just to get back and playing for Victoria, I felt like I still had a bit more to give. And so how quickly after you had Sam, were you back in the gym and getting ready to play some elite cricket? Now, I was back in the gym at two weeks. Whoa. <laughs> I do have to. So I, we lived in Darwin at the time, and it was a totally different landscape up there. I used to work at the Institute of Sport in Darwin, yeah. So I was coming yeah. back to a really familiar yeah, place okay. in terms. Of I I knew all the strength and conditioning staff, and um, so Sam came in. I've got great pictures oh, of him in the gym, cute. sitting in his pram or bouncing his jolly jumper as I did my squats out on the running track. They had this oh. a different environment. And when I got back to Melbourne a year later, and I tried to bring Sam to the gym. MCG staff quickly shut me down and said, no, that's not the way we work <laughs> yeah, yeah. here. But being in Darwin really helped, I think. So back in the gym at two weeks, I think I might have played my – I had to wait for a medical clearance at around the six-week mark and mm-hmm. I think Victoria had a game at eight weeks. So that was the first um, state game I played. I think I played a club game at right on six-week and I still, <laughs> I still remember that wasn't great oh on goodness. the pelvic floor muscles. But anyway, it's <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. And it's pretty much, like, it's pretty unheard of. Like, what was the support like from your coaches, teammates, all the support stuff and everything? Were they right behind you and just supporting you all the way? Yeah, absolutely. I'm so fortunate to have great family support. I think that was the Mm. most important thing in terms of Rob and his support. Yeah. Then my extended family, mum and dad. So we're living in Darwin, so it was a commute to get back to play for Victoria, but we'd just pack up and we'd we'd live down here for a couple of weeks at a time. And Cricket Victoria were really supportive of that fly-in, fly-out, which I'd done in a couple of years previous. But it also helped. So we're back living with mum and dad, Rob, for support. So I had a lot of support around from that point. That my teammates, I think, loved it for the most yeah. part because they were a lot you know, younger than I was and they loved having this baby on yeah. tour and a distraction. And, um, yeah, Sam's got hundred had hundreds of aunties. Um, even in the opposition team, I remember playing against a club game against um, EMP and one of my Victorian teammates subfielded for me. I was playing for Danny Nong and she knew Sam was screaming on the sidelines and she knew that he needed a feed. Oh. So she just ducked on and I ducked off and fed oh. Sam. And then, so teammates are really supportive. Yeah. And and two, I think it was a new thing for Cricket Australia to mm. go through, Cricket Victoria, and for me as well. So just navigating, it certainly had its challenges in terms mm. of how to support and, you know, all those extra things that travelling with a baby might bring. So yeah. certainly some challenges, but everyone was willing to try and accommodate and, you know, find a way through. Yeah. How difficult was it to juggle working cricket and being a mother? Like I know you said you have a lot of support, but most people struggled at that point just to combine work and cricket, let alone the added responsibility. You know, I actually see it as a real um, blessing for me. I was fortunate at that time that we were getting paid small contracts. So in my eyes, that was work. That could, so sure, I'm a physio as well. So I, I kept up a little bit of casual physio work in amongst, I don't know when, Oh, that would have started in that first year as well. So I had that. I had a little bit of contract money coming in. So it was my job. I saw it as a real blessing because I got my exercise. I had purpose outside of just this new experience of what it is to be a mum. What am I doing? I'm sleep deprived. I'm, and I know that yeah. um, you know postnatal depressions are really real and and big thing for a lot of women. So um, 
as I look back on it now, I think it was good to have actually a purpose, a motivation. I was really passionate about it. I got my exercise. I've had paid a little bit of money to do it. So I think I put myself in the in the lucky category in that regard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. certainly it had its challenges. So, but that's were you I, were you exhausted? Like, were, I feel did like I ever still get am. Like... The kids, I want to the kids. When I say eight, six, and three, I'm still. At some point, I might come out of this blur, but um, that's life, eh? Yeah, yeah. And so we'll go back to the bit of cricket chat. So you had Sam at nine months before you travelled to England for the 2013 Ashes series. So you hadn't played in the Great and Gold for a bit over two years. How did it feel like sort of training and coming back into that elite environment? Were you very comfortable to just get straight back into it? Um, I was pretty pumped, that's for sure. That was right at the stage where the Aussie girls got put on contracts. Yeah. So that was pretty exciting to be part of the launch and, and that sort of thing. Um, it had been two years. I mentioned earlier that I'd been unwell and hadn't played. So, it was yeah, it was still a big deal. And pretty, I think I was pretty nervous nervous in terms of that whole process as I said I lived in Darwin which was fortunate I had a lot of I played a season of or three quarters of a season of of Vic Spirit um, and then I went into Darwin's cricket season so I played men's Ah, cricket in Darwin um, played D grade because that was the (laughs) that was the competition that played two-day games so I knew that was going to set me up well so Played with, I kind of, my mate Nugget would throw me the ball and I have a bit of a bowl and, <laughs> uh, you know, Sam would be on the sidelines. So oh, that was some good preparation. Yeah, but in yeah. terms of actually stepping into the green and gold, um, again, I had a lot of mates surrounding me, teammates, mm. coach I knew well, Julie Savage, selector. I knew a lot of people in and around. So, nice. um, and that was the first series with the multi-format points-based series and you were in the test squad. Was test the format you felt you were most suited to or, or enjoyed the most? Um. Probably. I enjoyed all formats and my, my batting certainly was more uh, easier to come in, in terms of the test format, that concentration. Mm. I knew that the selectors saw me in that role of someone that could concentrate for a long time and mm. focus and um, protect the wicket and sort of build an innings. And I knew, so I had that in my head, uh, as I said. Um, I always like to think I could play all three formats. <laughs> Maybe the selectors differ a little bit. My bowling certainly came to the fore a little bit more in the 2020 competition. Could be a little off spinner that didn't turn the ball and get away with that. Um, yeah. So and yeah, I think that the Test match. I knew that that was my opportunity, and great to see the multi format, and, and great to see Cricket Australia supporting picking two different sides. So that's mm. how I got my opportunity. If I had have only picked, you know, the squad of 15 mm. and stuck with that for the whole series, I certainly wouldn't have been going to England. So yeah. um, I'm grateful for that timing. Yeah, for sure. And what did the Ashes used to mean to you and what did it mean to put on that baggy green? Um, pretty special, hey. I mean, my my dad's English, so uh-huh. I have to confess that to yeah. start with. Always <laughs> for England. I really oh, no. saw him when we were really? <laughs> so He was, would always go for England. <laughs> the men's cricket, the girls he, he came across. But, oh, good. <laughs> um, I'm certainly more of a doer than a watcher in terms of sport, and I, I know the, the proud history and the tradition and how amazing that is, but um, just that it, more so the green and gold. That's yeah. the big thing. I knew that I wanted to play for Australia at something when I was young. I didn't care what sport it was. Yeah. So pretty special though, that, that baggy green. And I'd waited a long time to put that on. I carried the drinks for, I think I was one of the most celebrated drinks carriers. <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> but um, I'd waited and we only played one every two years. So, you know, I'd missed out on three or four, which is, I don't know, six or so years before mm. I actually got to a step onto the field and that was earlier, maybe that was 2009, I'm not sure. Um, so pretty special to be to be back there. Yeah, definitely. And Sarah, talk us through yourself as a cricketer. What was your approach to training like, game day, and did that change when you became a mum? I think um, probably distraction helped me. Okay. <laughs> too, I was a bit too focused um, and so having a distraction that meant I could just step on the field and play rather than 
um, being consumed by it. And certainly confidence probably wasn't one of my strong points. So if I could be distracted and mm. not allow myself time to not be confident, talk myself out of, out of stuff, that helps. So mm. I think certainly better after um, after having Sam and also after setbacks, you know, being dropped out of teams, I think I'd always bounce back and now I'm going to prove you wrong. I can actually play and that's more talking yeah. myself into it than anybody else. Um, yeah, so as a cricketer, I don't know, just always very diligent with training, probably one of the, the hardest trainers maybe, and also just willing to be that team person. And I think nice. that kept me in around the squad. Even if my talent wasn't quite there, I was always going to do the right things and I was always going to train hard and um, be reliable sort of in that way. Yeah. Looking back at that team that was playing in 2013, you've got Jodie Fields captaining, Alex Blackwell, Meg Lanning, Rach Haynes, Elise Perry, Jess Duffin and Megan Shoot among the uh, youngsters in the squad. What was the culture of the team like at the time and what was the vibe? Um, do you know what? I probably can't even tell you, to be honest, because I was just stuck in my room, you know, <laughs> sleep deprived. Uh, this state of just surviving kind of made, no, what a great environment to be part of. I really enjoyed playing under Jodie, um, really fierce competitor, and I appreciated that seriousness, but mixed that with, you know, the likes of Megan Shoot and um, was it? Uh, Lisa Healy would have been in that team maybe. No, Jodie was in there. I don't know, mix that in with some of those young characters and um, mm. it's a pretty good social environment as well. <laughs> yeah, would have been. I remember we had um, Megan shoot on the podcast as well and she remembers when she was a young player coming through and she saw you going off to look after Sam and she was like, what, that's crazy. And now, now look at her. Yeah, it's going to be her. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's good fun. Yeah. So pretty exciting times for her. Definitely. Right at the minute. And so it was the only test ma- match played at Wormsley at a ground called Sir Paul Getty's Ground. Having a look at some photos, it looked very picturesque. Do you remember the day well? Um, I just remember the drive into the ground. It was this big, long, winding, really picturesque yeah. um, driveway to come down to play. Um, I feel like I remember it being sunny, but that's probably just because I was happy, <laughs> hey, at the end of, yeah. at the end of um, parts of the day. It was yeah. a beautiful ground, a really beautiful ground. Had you had a good night's sleep the night before? Probably not best to speak about sleep, but um, the night before the first one I think was better than the one in between, you know, between oh, first and second days and therefore I'm glad we batted first. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, obviously Jody Fields won the toss and Australia were batting first. Rachel Haynes was out early, which brought you to the crease alongside a young Victorian on test debut, Meg Lanning. What do you remember about Meg back at that time? And did you know she was going to be a special talent? I think we all knew she was going to be a special talent. It makes me laugh because I remember <laughs> the test match prior, the first one I'd played in, mm. Meg carried the drinks in that one. And I remember being sledged the whole game. Why are you playing? <laughs> and you're sitting on the sideline. So Brutal. We're pretty, we're pretty cutting with their, with their sledging. Um, so that makes me laugh. Yeah, Meg was always going to be a superstar. It's terrific to see how she's really come on with her career. And great to have been able to play alongside her for a small part of that. Yeah, nice. So you put on 70 runs alongside Meg, then it was Jess Duffin, then Cameron who joined you at the crease. Do you remember how you were batting at the time? Like were you feeling confident that you could put a big score on the board? You are asking far too many cricket-specific <laughs> questions here. For no, um, I always like batting with Jess because she moves the score along pretty well and so um, that was, a, com- that was a, a decent-sized partnership and that was a comfortable kind of place to mm. be. Um that's probably as much as I remember <laughs> in terms of in terms of that. So I know yeah, we, yeah. we batted really slow, and that's still a, a bit of a regret, I guess, in some ways. Mm. When I look back on that match, we we didn't win it, and you know we we probably should have put ourselves in a position to win it. And um, partly that's my fault because we didn't tick the score along enough in that first innings to mm. give us a big enough total um, going in towards the back half of the game. 
is it harder to concentrate when you've got a nine-month baby on the sidelines like, or are you still able to stay focused? Yeah, I don't think so. I think once you step over that line, it's the same with yeah. anything you do that you're just focusing on the next ball that's coming and um, I had some really good support through some sports psych performance kind of people that helped me, a lady based up in Darwin that, yeah, I, I think that stuff's, that's the easy stuff. You walk on and it's, it's game on, which is the great thing. It doesn't matter what else has happened and that's mm. why for me it's almost not that big a deal playing with having a child because yeah. it's just game on, same as it is for anybody else. Yeah, and when you had to come off at lunch, um, did you have to go and express some milk? I think I've read in some articles <laughs> over the years. It's, yeah, that's got around that story, wasn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, I did, yeah. So I would, if, if possible, I would feed Sam because it was much quicker if I could mm. do that directly and it was a lot less embarrassing than, you know, hiding in the back of the, the change room with a towel mm. kind of draped strategically over me and this <laughs> humming kind of noise in the background, which the girls thought was hilarious. Um, but you know what, I didn't even care. But once yeah. you get a, a few hours into the game, it's like, well, whatever, we'll just... What you got to do is what you got to do. Much easier to feed him directly if I could. And Rob and my sister lived in England at the time, oh. and my mum and dad were there as well. So, plenty of support. And again, supportive of the girls to allow Sammy to, sorry, into the change rooms and mm. and the support staff that were around the coaches and selectors and all that kind of crew were really made it really easy. Yeah, nice. And so it was back out to bat. You kept ticking along, kept the scoreboard moving, and then you reached. 95 at Stumps. Do you remember the feeling coming off and was it just back to the hotel, back to bed with Sam and put him to sleep and get ready to go again? I think so. I was. I, just, I remember being exhausted. Such a long time to kind of be concentrating on and off and I don't remember much. I just uh, <laughs> food and sleep, that's kind, that's kind of it, isn't it? I would have much preferred to get find those five extra runs the, that day. But you know what, then, then it, life takes over again. You know, I, I can't worry about those five runs or that, you know, because Sam's got to be fed and mm. he's got to get to bed and, um, you know, Rob's great at helping with that, but there's certain stuff that it's much easier for me to do in terms of the feeding side of things. So, yeah. yeah. And so the next day coming back out to bat, were you nervous at all? Had you been thinking about how close you were to a century before going back out there? I'm sure I would have been, <laughs> absolutely. Those those memories are pretty distant. I think they get replaced by the ones of actually getting to the 100 and they're the yeah. bigger emotions. But, um, yeah, certainly nervous. I remember it. I think it took me quite a few balls to get there on that start of the second day and just almost willing it, willing it to kind of happen and just <laughs> kind of move on and get past this big moment and just play the game. What was the feeling like out in the middle when you finally got to raise the bat? Yeah, yeah, really special. Um, Alex, I'm pretty sure, was yeah. out there with me then and just she's just one of the nicest people yeah. that I played cricket with and awesome. she was just so happy and excited and the big embrace and and then to look up and see, you know, my family sitting there and, and Rob there with Sam strapped in in the baby carrier oh. had our little quiet signal, you know, just a touch <laughs> on the head was like... <laughs> You know, we're thinking of we're thinking of you. So that was a really, a really special moment. Yeah, there's an awesome photo of you and Sam after the match. It's pretty cool that he can look back and say that he was there when his mum made an ashes ton. That's right. He said to me today, "Mum, what are you going to talk about? It about me? Of course. Cute. How old is he now? He's eight, into his second season of cricket, I think it is. So yeah, they don't really get it, but um, <laughs> it's great fun now being able to be a parent and, and watch him. Is he um, a batter, bowler? And I know you mentioned um, you were thinking back about that day in 2013 driving here today, but do you think, look, reflect back on your cricket career much these days or focusing on other things? Yeah, you know, I don't really. I feel like I've always just been someone that you just get up and you 
do what's in front of you for the day kind of thing and just go on for the next thing and life's kind of really busy with lots of different and new challenges which is exciting but I've got to say well it was nice driving here and just quietly reflecting and going hey they were really fun times and what special moments and and how fortunate to to have had that journey. Yeah, 100%. And Sarah, no doubt you would have heard the news that Megan Shoot and Rachel Haynes' partners are both expecting babies. So exciting for them. Yeah, have you sort of given them any tips on how they might handle having a baby on tour? Uh, those two will, will <laughs> um, conquer it. I'll be right. They'll just yeah, take it in their strides. I remember having a few chats to, to Jess Duffin. Um, but, you know, she was trying to play her footy and whatnot. Just encouragement, no words of advice, just encouragement and good on them. And, yeah, what what exciting times for those those two girls and, and their families and yeah. looking forward to seeing them continue on in their terrific careers. Yeah. And in the last couple of years we've seen some pretty big steps forward with CA introducing the parental leave policy that provides a lot more support for players who do choose to take career breaks to have kids. Were you consulted or part of them coming up with that plan? Yeah, I did a little bit of work with the players' union talking through, um, you know, where things were and, and what I thought were kind of the important gaps, certainly in consultation with lots and lots of other people and lots, mm. of, lots of other sports. But, yeah, really exciting policy and it's been good to have a few years. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, terrific. <laughs> really, really good. Because it's really important. There's so many young girls in that team that, um, you know, it shouldn't be exclusive that it's family or playing sport. And if they can be supported um, while they're doing that, it just takes a whole lot of pressure off. And do you still follow the Aussie women's team pretty closely these days? And will you be keeping a close eye on the Ashes this year? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Always following along and uh, when we can get down and the kids love to get down as well. But, nice. yeah, hopefully. Um, predictions? Yeah, well, today's going to win. <laughs> <laughs> no more predictions than that. But, no, it'll be exciting to see. It should be a really, really good yeah. summer. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us in the studio today to reflect on an unbelievable Ashes century. Hope you can keep an eye on the Ashes this year and keep make, making some more memories. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's a dream growing up to get your own baggy green and, and wear it in a test match. Yeah, we're really going to celebrate this one. It's fantastic to bring the Ashes home. That was just an incredible experience to win the Ashes back is awesome. It's a, it's a dream if in a test match, but then to also get a hat trick to put that hat on. Overly materialistic, but as a possession, certainly the baggy green is my absolute favourite. If you're given the opportunity to wear a baggy green, it's a really special occasion. A lot of great memories we'll take from this, yeah, onwards here for.